happy. So he, he stood up and uh, I drew and then he ran just a few steps, three or four steps. Not like he didn't tear out of there. He just kind of trotted along and then he stopped again to look back at me to try to see what was going on. And when he stopped that second time, I was already at full draw. I could see that there's this little V notch, like right between two little saplings. And on the other side of that V is the, the sweet spot. It's, it's part of his front shoulder and the vitals right there. And so just this like perfect little gap to try to send an arrow. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So pull up a seat around the campfire, cause here we go. All right, welcome back to the show. We've got another elk hunting episode for you. And uh, I've just been thinking a lot about elk as the fall approaches. I know it's not even June yet, but man, that off season seems to go fast. Uh, as far away as September feels, it's going to be here in just before we know it. Uh, and so I've been spending a lot of time looking at maps and marking down potential elk spots in Colorado. Uh, man, just can't wait to get there. And as I'm doing all that, I, I've been thinking about past hunts and and I know I've told the story it was episode two of my uh 2017 Arizona archery bull which is just one of my favorite stories for a whole bunch of reasons just a lot of a lot of first times a lot of milestones happened with that hunt but I've never told the story of my 2016 archery elk hunt uh which I know if if you at all uh if you're an Arizona hunter or you <laughs> desire to hunt elk in Arizona uh, having back-to-back -back tags, 2016 and 2017, sounds impossible, and it's supposed to be, and to this day I don't know what happened uh, with the draw odds, but uh, <laughs> man, my, my father-in-law, brother-in-law, uncle-in-law, and I usually put in on one application for elk, and somehow we drew the tag in 2016 and then turned right around and drew the same exact tag in 2017. I don't know how, but I'm grateful it did because, man, 2016, even though I did not harvest an elk, was just an incredible week of elk hunting. There were so many close calls, uh, a bunch of other firsts that happened during that hunt. And so I thought I would just walk through some of those really cool encounters that I had with elk in that week. Uh, and, and because mostly, I'm, I'm sure that that week, despite eating a tag at the end of it, uh, man, so many lessons that I learned translated to the 2017 success that I had. So day one, opening day of this hunt in 2016. Uh, man, at this point I had, I had been serious about bow hunting for a couple of years. Um, I, I told the story of my first ever hunt ever in my life. Uh, that was episode 12, just a couple episodes ago. Uh, and that was an archery elk hunt as well, but I had no idea what I was doing on any front. By this point in 2016, I had been, uh, I'd bought my own bow. I had been practicing a lot. I had been uh, starting to dip my toe in the over-the-counter mule deer waters. Uh, like I was, I was trying to figure out, I was just absorbing as much information as I could. And so I was so pumped to have this, uh, this elk tag in my pocket. So we went out there opening day and uh, we went through kind of our normal, the way this, this group hunts. Uh, my uncle-in-law kind of goes off and does his own thing. And then my brother-in-law and I usually hike out pre-dawn with my father-in-law. He likes to hunt from a tree stand, so we kind of drop him off at his tree, 
And then uh, Zach and I just sort of stay mobile and we, we chase elk and try to call elk and do all of that stuff. And so day one, we, we started that and all morning we were, uh, we were hearing some, some elk. We, we had some sightings, but nothing that we could really get into range of. I don't think we were doing a lot of calling. I think Zach had maybe a, a cow call he was blowing on every now and then. But I had not even put a call in my mouth at that point. Like it, I was still at the, okay, let me figure out how to shoot this bow and how to find these animals. Uh, so we, we spent the morning just chasing elk around. And by 10 or 11, when everything's kind of settling down and theoretically all the elk are bedded, uh, since we've been out in the woods since, you know, 4 a.m., we usually would use that as an opportunity to kind of just post up somewhere, take a little nap, eat some food, just kind of rest and recoup, and then... The idea is to get back on the move in the later afternoon, heading on into the evening time. And so uh, we just kind of found this spot near where we were, and we usually split up a little bit. Uh, so, you know, 50, 100 yards away, just kind of looking in two different directions. So I was kind of facing the east, looking into this this little bowl that was right there. And then Zach was kind of up the hill just a ways, and he was kind of looking more towards the north. And, uh, and I had just kind of scraped out a, a comfortable bed to sit in and I think I'd eaten a snack and I was maybe just starting to get the, the heavy eyes going when I heard a stick pop. And, uh, so I kind of hopped up real quick. I grabbed my bow, which as I learned from my first ever hunt had an arrow knocked, uh, man, I try whenever I'm in that resting situation, if I can get an arrow knocked and if there's a little tree branch, I can just kind of hang the bow on. That's my favorite keep the release on and it's ready to just quietly grab off the tree, get in the game. And sure enough, as I get my bow and I kind of stand up and, and look, I see this just solitary, uh, I think he was a, he was either a really big raghorn or a small five. And he's just kind of slowly meandering his way through this bowl that I was looking at. And, uh, man, at the time that particular year, Zach and I were experimenting with uh, radios in our ears. So we had kind of an earpiece and a radio it's perfectly legal in Arizona. I know some states don't allow that. And we'd been messing with those all morning. But when we kind of set up to just take a nap, we kind of agreed on a time like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up and head out at this time. Uh, and the, you know, the earpiece to the radio was kind of uncomfortable. So I just kind of ditched that didn't have that on me. But uh, all of this is unfolding so quickly that I just grab my bow and kind of creep up to a tree and, uh, and, and range the guy at, uh, I think he was just over 50 yards or he was right at 50 yards, uh, which was my last pin on this entry-level bow that I had. And so uh, I was just trying to think through, okay, all the stuff I've learned, how this is supposed to go. I was kind of behind a tree, and then he was uh, he was making his way towards this, this big tree, and I thought, okay, he's going to take a step, his head will be behind that tree, then I'll draw, then I'll take one step forward out from behind this tree, and uh, hopefully make my shot. And so all of that happens, he steps, I draw, I take a step forward, and all I can see is the back half of him. Like I see guts to his butt. And man, I'm looking at that and there's some temptation there, but I think, man, I do not want to, <laughs> I do not want to willingly gut shot this animal. And I just did, I couldn't see, I wasn't familiar enough yet with elk anatomy to know like, okay, I don't know if I'm seeing just, I couldn't see his front shoulder, but you know, just off of that tree, am I... A couple inches behind that shoulder or am I you know a foot behind that shoulder and so it occurs to me and he has stopped at this point he's just standing right there I think he was eating a little bit and I think okay well what if I 
take two steps back. So step back behind the tree again and then step to the left of the tree where maybe I could see the front half of him. And if I don't have a shot, he'll take, you know, maybe another step or two forward and I'll have a great shot. And so because I'm staring at this elk and I'm at full draw, I'm not watching my feet at all. I take one step back, I take a second step back, and I step right on a stick and snap it. And this elk does not, <laughs> he does not like, you know, pop his head up and look to see what was happening. He doesn't investigate at all. He just instantly leaps into the air and goes tearing off out of that area. Now, he actually, he tore off up the hill directly towards where Zach was sleeping. And so Zach had no idea any of this was going on, because again, I left my radio, so I couldn't like, hey man, an elk's coming in. He was dead asleep, laying on the ground right next to this fallen log, and he said all of a sudden he just snaps awake and sits up and sees this elk charging directly at him. And as he sits up, it freaks the elk out, so he makes a hard right turn and goes char you know, charging off in the other direction, probably within 10 yards of him. Like this elk was, if Zach hadn't sat up, was going to barrel on, potentially leap over that log and trample and kill my brother-in-law. It was nuts. Uh, so that was my, my first, first time coming to full draw on a live animal. Super exciting. The next day, same kind of thing happened. Hunted all morning, heard some elk. I, I almost got run over by some cows, I think. Uh, it was just you know, awesome stuff. There's lots of opportunity, lots of elk where we were. Uh, and, but by the late morning we hadn't connected. And so we did the same kind of thing. We're going to post up and, and just rest for a little bit. Zach decided to go further away from me than before, which is probably because I almost killed him the day before. And so, uh, I'm, I'm set up just kind of like on the edge of this timber, there's this, this big meadow. And then there's this really clear game trail that kind of comes down off of this meadow back into the timber. And so I'm just kind of posted up off to the side of that and think this this is perfect. If any elk are still moving around, if they were out feeding, um, you know, this I'm kind of back in a bedding area. This is where they're going to come if there's any late moving activity. And so uh, I've got my, got my bow knocked, hanging in a tree, ready to go. And I was there for longer this time before there was any activity. But sure enough, I start to hear some, some hooves and some movement and some sticks. And so I, I hop up to my knees and I grab my bow. And just as I'm looking and, and about to like stand up and get ready, this, this raghorn is already on his way in. And he's not moving down the trail like I thought, he's just moving through the timber. And so I think, okay, well that's not, that's not the path I expected, but he's gonna move through this timber. Surely he'll hook up with this game trail and move right on past me and I'll take a shot. But no, he was actually coming in, before he ever got to the game trail, he just decided to bed down right in the timber 30 yards away from me. And he bedded down, I had, I had a great wind, uh, so, but he bedded down looking right at me and right behind this, this dead snag. So I had no access to his vitals. He's staring right in my direction and I'm just there on my knees, bow in hand, and there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm frozen because he's looking like through me. Uh, and, and so all I'm doing is just trying to stay still and trying to think like, okay, what can I, what can I do? Like I've got no shot. I can't move to get a different angle because he's looking my direction. I just have to ride this out. Hope that he, like, I don't know, is uncomfortable and stands up and repositions. Uh, I didn't know what happened. We're in the staring contest. As far as this elk knows, he's just bedded down for probably a few hours. Uh, and so he's just kind of staring my way, sort of scanning around. Like, I've been really still, so he doesn't know I'm there. Uh, but he's not turning his head, you know, 180 degrees to where I could stand up or 
or reposition. And we had this staring contest for what felt like an hour. It was probably seven or eight minutes, which is still a really long time to stay perfectly still up on your knees. Uh, everything from the knee down is was going to sleep. Like I could not feel my feet after a while. I started to get like Charlie horses in my hamstrings. And so even just be- remaining still was becoming a huge challenge. And so eventually, you know, the like it just proved impossible. Like your, your muscles start almost moving themselves, trying to get some sort of relief. Uh, and eventually he caught some movement and got a little jumpy. So he, he stood up and, uh, I drew and then he ran just a few steps, three or four steps. Not like he didn't tear out of there. He just kind of trotted along. And then he stopped again to look back at me to try to see what was going on. And when he stopped that second time, I was already at full draw. I could see that there's this little V notch, like right between two little saplings. And on the other side of that V is the, the sweet spot. It's, it's part of his front shoulder and the vitals right there. And so just this like perfect little gap to try to send an arrow. Hey guys, this is Eric from Late to the Game Outdoors and producer of Hunting Stories. And I wanted to thank Bun and Beanster for making this show possible. These guys are the real deal. Whether you're a seasoned business owner or a startup or running a side hustle like I am, they can help you with your branding, logo, easy to manage websites, and fresh creative ideas for your business. They can also help you look the part by helping you design those tricky one-off events. They deliver amazing printed goods, quality apparel, even signage, truly a one-stop creative shop, and they stand by their work guaranteed. For free consultations and useful resources, go to bunandbeanster.com to check them out or catch them on Instagram at bunandbeanster. Now back to the show. And I'm already at draw and I'm looking at this and just made that split second decision that, man, if this, if I send this arrow perfectly, it's just going to go right between those trees, hit them perfectly. It's going to be amazing. And so I decide I'm going for it and I squeeze back, send that arrow and it just barely clips the tree on the left and it goes pinballing all around those trees. The elk tears out of there and, you know. The just hearts racing a mile a minute. It's it's insane. I, I was pretty sure I missed him. I, I went out, found the arrow immediately. Not a trace of blood or fur, just some some bark on one of the blades of the broadhead. Uh man, so so close. If that if that arrow had been half an inch to the right, it would have just it would have destroyed. It would have been amazing. So I called up Zach, told him everything that had happened. We kind of celebrated. Man, it's first time letting an arrow loose on a live animal. And at this point, I'm thinking like, okay, there's a progression here. Day one, full draw for the first time. Day two, arrow released for the first time. Day three has got to be dead elk on the ground. That is obviously not how it happened uh, and rarely how things actually tend to work out. Uh, but just continued to have some cool encounters. Uh, the, the fourth day, I started to uh, mentally lose it a little bit. Like, you know, where you just kind of get into that, you're sort of tired, you're frustrated, uh, nothing has been working out. You know, I was starting to have that negative self-talk. Like, man, you had your opportunities. You didn't capitalize on them. Man, the rest of this hunt, like, you're you're done for. This isn't going to work. And so I'm in that headspace as I'm walking along. And there was a spot I was trying to get to. Um, I think Zach had already had to leave at this point. Like, he just had a few days he was able to hunt. And then he had to bail. So I was hunting solo the rest of the week. And so uh, I- I'm just kind of making my way to this spot I wanted to be. And I still don't know how I didn't see this spike beforehand. I don't know if my head was just down, if I was 
just in in off in my head in such a bad space or if he and i were kind of walking parallel uh there was like kind of this little finger of trees heading out into this uh this clearing i don't know if we were walking parallel to each other on opposite sides of those trees or if he was just there feeding and i didn't see him until i was right on top of him but i i come out to the edge of this like i pat finally passed the edge of this little finger of trees and something catches my peripheral vision and i look and there's this spike elk just staring right at me like close enough to slap him i mean not that close but you know inside of 10 yards he's just right there and i had no idea he was there so i'm i'm carrying my bow but you know i don't have an arrow knocked or anything and there's this few seconds where we both just stare at each other surprised trying to figure out what to do and then he tears off and so I, I at first went to the like, oh man, there goes another opportunity that you just blew. But uh, that that little moment helped push me back towards the positive, like, no, this this can happen at any second. Like around every corner, around any tree could be your opportunity where you run into a bowl and it all comes together. And so I, I continued to hunt hard. Day day five, I had two uh, two cool experiences where uh, in about lunchtime, a rainstorm blew through. So I, I rode that out. And I think at the time, all I had was a cheap poncho. So I just kind of put that on, sat under a tree, waited for it to pass. And then as soon as the rain stopped, like I, I packed it up and got back on the move, thinking that, man, the ground is wet and so much quieter now. Uh, and potentially some animals often start moving around after the, the rain has stopped. So I decided that, uh, you know, I was heading in a certain direction. Like I kind of was making just giant loops through this area as I would hunt for the day. And so I was starting to make my way back towards, uh, where the truck was, but I decided that I'm going to take like the route through the thickest, gnarliest, uh, forest that I can find just head through some bedding areas. It's nice and quiet. I can creep my way through. Let me, let me see if I can connect on something. And somehow I still don't know how I saw him. I just picked out a, just the briefest movement of antlers, but there was this raghorn bedded down that I came up behind and I got to within, I thought I was within 40 yards when I realized what was there. And so I just like dropped down and, and got real still and tried to <laughs> try to figure out the situation. He's looking directly away from me. I had a decent win. It wasn't perfect, but it wasn't, you know, heading his direction at least. Uh, but again, same deal as always. He, he's lying right behind this dead snag and I do not have an angle on him. And so in retrospect, I should have just got myself ready, waited. Eventually he was going to stand up and maybe I'd have a shot. Instead, I decided to try to make it to this tree that was kind of off to an angle that would give me a different shot, I think, uh, it would have put me at an angle where that snag was no longer in the way. And sure enough, as I tried to make my way across there, even though the ground was quieter and wet, I was just so close, he, he caught something going on and tore out of there. But still excited, still like, man, this, this could happen. Like, I just keep running into elk. I keep having these almost moments. And so as I continued to make my way back to where I was headed, I finally came upon this big herd. Like I'd had all these opportunities on these kind of lone elk that are just wandering around. But finally, you know, this group of 15, 20 cows, uh, and they had at least two really good bulls with them. Like everything else I had encountered, the biggest was maybe a small five. This was a very respectable six point herd bull. And he had at least one satellite who was also like his, he was, I think a six, his tines were smaller, but his main beams were incredibly thick. Uh, and so these guys are just cruising around with all these cows. 
And so this was the first time I had the opportunity to uh, what they call dog a herd. So just kept moving in, <laughs> kept trying to, to close the distance to get a shot on one of these bulls. If I had had a cow tag, I would have had 17 different shot opportunities. Like I just kept getting into range of these cows that were kind of on the periphery. And then eventually I would kind of spook one or two of them. They would sort of move. They would take the herd with them a little ways, but they weren't in any real hurry. Um, and so I just kept like closing the distance. They would move off. I'd close the distance that like for about two hours, I was just dancing around with this herd uh, until finally, I think I, I wasn't super careful about the wind at one point or, or I spooked a cow so well that, <laughs> that eventually they, they took off and I can still see those two bulls just running off through a clearing down a hill and off into the timber. And man, those were, I was pumped after that. Uh, I was out there for any antlered elk, which is what my tag said. But uh, having, you know, played around for a couple hours with these really big bulls was so exciting. And so uh, day six was my last day I had to hunt. And uh, hunted it hard the whole day, just like I always did. Nothing much happened until the very end where I was getting close to back to the truck. I was on my way out. I probably had 45 minutes of shooting light left. And I stumbled upon this little group of three elk. It was a cow, her spike, and his little sister. Uh, and so the, the spike was being very spike-like. And uh, if you've spent any time watching them, they're the spazziest creatures in the woods. It's incredible. Uh, like the, the cow and the calf were just kind of leisurely eating and being pretty chill. The, the spike had like ADD. Like he would eat a little bit and then he would like bound over to a tree for no reason. And then he would eat some more and then he would loop back around. Like he was just so busy compared to how <laughs> relaxed the other two were. Uh, and when I first came upon him, I think the spike was 90 yards away from me. And again, this was my, my first bow. It had a, a max draw weight of 60 pounds. My final pin was 50 yards. Like it was, he was way out of my range. Uh, and again, I didn't have any calls. So all I could do was try to move in or, or find a way to close the gap on this spike. But I'm, you know, I've got two other sets of eyes that I'm keeping an eye on as well. And so this spike and I did this dance where I would, I would try to kind of tree hop his direction and then sometimes I would be kind of at a tree trying to make a plan and then he would start to come my direction and then for no reason at all he would make like a hard right turn and head off further and uh, then he would like turn again and come back my direction like he was just all over the place and so I was really just trying to close in on him without spooking mom or sister uh, and the closest I was able to close it was 70 yards with light fading uh, and eventually uh, mom caught me and I was moving from one tree to another. I probably was starting to hurry a little bit more as I like could see the sun going down. I was losing the, the glow on my pins. And, and once mom discovered me, the, the jig was up. She, she called out to them and the three of them took off. And that was, that was the end of it. It was dark, put my headlamp on, hiked the rest of the way to the truck. Uh, just a solid way to close that hunt. Um, that man from, <laughs> from day one, kind of in the morning, with uh, being at full draw on a nice elk to the final minutes of shooting light on my last day, coming so close on a, a little spike. It was just a great week of hunting uh, and so many lessons learned and lessons relearned about, uh, man, checking the wind and, and never taking that for granted. And that was the hunt I believe I learned where for whatever reason, someone recommended my rangefinder I had clipped to me with like a, a retractable, 
kind of cord, you know, so you would like, you know, it would zip out and you could range it and then you let it go and it like zips back in. I, I don't know who was using this that recommended, hey, you should use this. But something about the one I got, it had this click in it, like halfway when you got it out, almost far enough to use, but not quite. There was this like catch where you would have to pull it another bit and it would always click at that moment. And I kept trying to work around it all week long. And I saw more than one elk where I was trying to range them and I would get to that point and then I would click it and they always look my direction. And so I, that, I think halfway through that hunt is when I just decided to adapt and pulled that thing off and threw it away and just decided to risk it with, I think I had my, I think I had it stuffed in a cargo pocket, which is not the best place for a rangefinder, but it was, it was better than tipping the elk off every time I was trying to range them. Uh, so some lessons learned on adapting and, uh, and ultimately the, the lesson that I took away was to just keep grinding it out. Like <laughs> I had that midweek lull where I just started to think, oh, this is stupid. I'm never going to do this. This is, I, I am the worst. Uh, and then you just keep powering through and I am fully convinced everything I learned that week, uh, not only about the area that I was hunting, but just about elk and about my gear and, and all this stuff, it, it set me up to have the success that I had in 2017. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me at this point. While as I record this, I'm still in the middle of this hunting slump where my freezer is empty and, and things just haven't connected. And, and I get that voice in my head that I'm sure most of us do, where it's just like, why are you even trying that? Like, why are you, you need a new hobby. Why do you bother with this? And I just keep remembering hunts like this where, where it didn't work in the moment, but the lessons learned set me up for when it would all come together, when it would connect. And when you do tag out and fill that freezer and, and the guys that we see doing this all the time, where it seems like every time they go out, something hits the ground, they paid their dues. They had their years and years and years like this, where you just come so close so many times and eventually it all clicks. And then it starts clicking more and more and more and we're all just working towards that. So guys, as uh, hopefully this just gives you a little uh, elk hunting scratch, so to speak, while we're still a couple months out. But uh, but man, just keep doing your homework, keep making your plans, uh, keep staying in shape. Uh, I know I just, not that you care, but uh, just a few days ago, totally jacked my knee. Uh, <laughs> still not fully sure what's wrong with it. Uh, but going to figure that out. And so I'm already like, as I'm planning hunts, I'm thinking, man, how do I rehab this thing? How do I, uh, what kind of mountainous terrain can I cover? Um, cause I'm not going to stay home. So just got to figure out how to adapt and, and power through. Maybe I just live on ibuprofen for a week of elk hunting and just tough it out. I'm rambling. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And, uh, we're going to get some more stories churned out here over the off season because, Man, it, it can take forever, so at least we can live vicariously through some other people's stories while we wait for the fall to roll around. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.